Hello, friends, and welcome again to the First Loved Podcast. Let's just invite the Lord's presence in our time. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you that you can actually be with us. We can actually have an experience together, even through technology, because you are always present, always with us by your Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would empower us as we listen, that through the things that I share, Lord, they would be loved, encouraged, inspired, so that we can go out and love as loved to the praise of your glory and our joy. We ask you, Lord, for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this past Christmas, two of our children, for our Christmas present from them, gave us a really special gift, a Friday night in the city where my one daughter has monthly parking. And so she gave us her car. So we got to drive in her nice car (laughs) and drive right into a garage. And all we had to do was put the keys in the cup and walk away. And the valet came and puts it in a special spot. And then we just had to text her when we were done with the night. And when we got to the garage, the car was waiting for us. Very nice. So that was the first part of it. Secondly, one of the kids gave us a gift certificate to this fabulous restaurant, which was just two and a half blocks down the street from that garage. And remember I was telling you about the food thing last in last week's podcast. The fun thing, though, was that we had just come off that first loved weekend. And so the whole thing about food and enjoying food and to go to this restaurant and we experienced food. Oh, that was so unbelievably good. I'm sure my poor metformin pill couldn't keep up with what I was eating, but I didn't care. It's like every now and then I'm allowed to spike my sugar. And I'm sure it spiked between all the cool things we were eating, but it was a blast. And then we walked down the street, just one block to the Wilbur Theater to see and hear Stephen Curtis Chapman in concert. It would have been probably about 29, 30 years ago that I was my first year of pastoring. And I went away for a week to go fast and pray. And somebody had given me this cassette tape by this guy named Stephen Curtis Chapman. And I didn't have a clue who he was. I put that cassette in that first day and I about wore it out by the end of the week because Stevens truly, I mean, I recognized it then, is so unbelievably gifted. His playing, his lyric, and just his melody, his gift for melody and stuff is extraordinary. Well, then to show up and while we were sitting there waiting, there were these trivia things rotating through, and I didn't write these down perfectly, but he has 24 albums, not counting the compilation ones. And then these numbers are wrong because I can't remember, but they're really this crazy that he's won like 40, 50 something Dove Awards. He's far and away the most honored singer, songwriter, composer, Christian guy, whatever. And he actually, this I didn't know, is actually a best-selling author. He was there also promoting and giving away actually a, a book that he'd written a few years ago. But what we were surprised by was that it was him by himself. And we, the Boston concert, was his 100th concert. And he only had three left before he was going home. And the interesting thing about it, the Wilbur Theater is really small. And so on the floor level, there are tables and people could have something to drink and munch on. But then there were these two balconies and the balcony felt like it was only 
50 feet from the stage, you know? So, I mean, you could see him. He was right there. You felt like, and so there's a piano, multiple guitars, and him. And so he comes out, and he said essentially he was going to try to share his journey and share as many songs as he could over the last 30 years. Well, you're looking at your watch going, wow, this could be a long night. And so you knew it wasn't going to quite pan out like that. But nonetheless, it was really fun. But his whole theme was on the faithfulness of God. He had us sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness, together. And then he just starts telling his story, finding out that his father was a singer, songwriter, guitar player, still has his own guitar shop in, oh gosh, Paducah? I think it's called Paducah, Kentucky. (laughs) A crazy name. On either side of it, these two other things that you couldn't, oh, I wish I'd written them down because you couldn't even believe that these names were for real of a town. But anyway, so he started learning guitar from his dad when he was six. Eventually, he and his brother were an act. They were a family, almost like the Von Trapp singers with the sound of music. You know, these guys were out singing. He actually got to be on the stage of the Grand Ole Opry to sing a song when he was 19 years old. It was his dad's dream. So he grew up around all kinds of music, playing, practicing all the time. And then one day, He gets into a conversation with a guy that hurt him when he was doing something at this thing called Opryland. And he realizes that Stephen's written some stuff. And he eventually says, this stuff's really good. You ought to just put it on a tape and I'll give it to somebody. Well, that somebody was Bill Gaither. And he'd been singing Bill Gaither tunes. And apparently the Gaithers had created a school for singers, songwriters, musicians, artists, whatever. So he went there, met his wife. So much of the stuff was just hilarious. And (laughs) one of the funniest things was they were pretty young when they got married. They were, I would guess, 22-ish, 23-ish. I guess that's not so young. I was 24 and Rob was 21. But like us, we decided we wanted to wait a few years, and they wanted to wait a few years. (laughs) So they thought, well, we'll get a puppy to learn how to start raising something (laughs) before we get kids And he says, one day, you know puppies, he says a puppy pulled his wife's uh, purse off the couch and got into it and got into some prescription stuff that actually the dog didn't have babies, but Beth did, if you get the drift. (laughs) And he's got this, so they had a baby a year later. And the funniest part, he had this picture of the dog, now fully grown, sitting on a bench with their one-year-old daughter. And the look on the dog's face was like, don't blame me. She left the pills on the couch. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I thought the place that we were all going to pee our pants, we were laughing so hard. The picture in the story was hilarious. Well, then he said they actually kept on having kids, and by the time they got to their third... (laughs) You've probably heard this before, but I don't know if I had. Beth looked at him and says, eeny, meeny, miny, and no mo. We're done, we're done, we're done. But in the process of that, they were really committed to that, actually. And by then, their oldest, I'm not sure how old she was at that point. Her name's Emily. Emily, by the time she's 11, though, goes on a trip to Haiti. And when she comes home, she says to mom and dad, Mom and Dad, we need to adopt. We could put bunk beds in each of the rooms and this, that, and the other. <laughs> and Beth's like, 
Uh, sweetheart, when you become a parent or an adult and you're married, you can fulfill that vision. But we're not doing that. Eeny, meeny, miny, and no mo. We are not doing that. Well, Emily would have nothing to do with it. She took her money from her piggy bank, somehow went down and bought a book on adoption, thick book on adoption. And everywhere that Beth would drive her, she would sit and read stuff out of this adoption book to her. And she's like, no, 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 no. Well, it's amazing what God does and who God will use to change our minds. And somehow, some way, Stephen and Beth ended up going to China. And that was one of the sections that Emily had read to them. And when they got there and they saw up close and personal things that they just heard their daughter read to them, rooms just with rows and rows of beds and kids, orphans, never knowing the love of a mom or a dad, not knowing a home. And Stephen didn't actually bring this up, but it made me think of these passages that perhaps any number of us, you know, these are just words. They're good words. But like Psalm 146, 7 and 9, primarily verse 9, personalized, God says, I watch over the foreigner and sustain the fatherless and the widow. That God sustains the fatherless and the widow. In fact, there's a number of Old Testament passages that talk about the Lord's care and passion for and concern for the fatherless and the widow. And then in James 1.27, this personalized as well. God says, religion that I, your God and Father, accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world, to look after orphans and widows in their distress You know, it's easy to read that stuff, and Stephen was the same way. I mean, he knew there was a real need and whatever, but like they had their three kids. But Emily was so persistent, so finally they go, and then he said, we can't even describe to you what it was like when we took one of those little girls and put her in our arms. And I'll tell you, man, it was really emotional, even for me, for Rob, and for us to sit there and think, yeah. But he said, when suddenly you're holding a fatherless, motherless child— And you think about your own home. We thought about our own kids and imagining them never knowing the love, our love, the love of a mom or dad to not have any sense of identity, to have any sense of value, to have a home. It just wrenched their hearts. And then this miracle that I've I've just heard described by so many people who have adopted and have also done foster care, that God does this thing in the human heart because I think it's because he cares so much that they suddenly found themselves bonded to this little baby girl, and they brought her home. And the next thing you know, (laughs) they do it two more times. But the even crazier thing about that was that not only did they just adopt, but then because of all that God has been able to bless them with through Stephen's music ministry, they've actually created this, this nonprofit called Show Hope, where they showed pictures. They have five hospital-like clinics in China for distressed orphans, where they take care of them, feed them, give them operations, medication, all that stuff. So that's amazing in and of itself, and that China loves them in spite of the fact that they're Christians. But the other amazing thing that they do is that they work at raising money to help people adopt because it can cost between ten dollars and $50,000 to adopt a child. 
And they just month after month after month spend every penny that they have. And there's way more who want to adopt than there's money for. But as of that Friday night, 6,400 kids had been adopted through the service that they had provided, which is probably barely scratches the surface of how many need to be loved. Well, I just felt compelled to want to bring that up to us because it really is something that's on the Father's heart. And I know, I mean, I know our lives are busy. I know there's all kinds of things. I guess all I'm saying today and want to bring up together with us is that we hear the Father say that He sustains the fatherless and the widow. What does that even look like? What's that mean? What little way that we can be a part of that or looking after orphans and widows? One of the things that the churches in the North Shore here of Boston and our church is very active in is foster care and doing things to really help make a difference, that they have these foster care teaching things in the churches. They supply all the food, the building, everything for them to come. About a month or two ago, I can't remember quite when it was, but it was actually the foster care workers. It was a Honor Them Day. And the churches all pulled together food and cards and money and gifts and lavished on them all day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, whatever amount that they wanted. And the testimonies coming back from these counselors, these social workers, was off the charts. And it was just so cool to see that God is beginning to change some perception of the church. And then there's two families in our church one that's actually adopted, five kids. And I only recently found out that three of them are actually biological and the other two are biological. And by the way, if you haven't seen the movie, it came out in the last month or so, two months or so, called Instant Family. It's actually an incredible movie. And the crazy thing is this one family who adopted three kids and adopted two kids they said that movie is just totally what their lives have been like. So anyway, the concert was amazing. The concert was great. And the thing that Stephen was hoping most of all is that as he would play parts of songs and different ones, the other thing he said was that, as I mentioned at the beginning, the theme was about God's faithfulness, was that he said partly why he did this tour is that he's heard countless, countless, countless testimonies of how one of his songs or any number of his songs were pivotal in people's journey that would really help them and encourage them or speak to something they were going through. And he tried to, he gave even the chance for the audience to shout out songs and he, he did as many as he could, bits and pieces of them. But it really did bless me because I could remember, Robin and I can remember places that we were for a variety of those songs, the first time we heard them or some of them that we listened to over and over and over again. It also made me think about the power of song. Even during my dissertation, Peter had sent me one day this worship compilation by these, this group called Worship Mob. And one of the lyrics, this chorus, I was, I was so thinking I, I was never going to finish the dissertation and I so wanted to give up. And then the chorus said, don't give up now. Just keep going. Heaven's cheering you forward. You're almost there. Just keep going. Heaven's cheering you forward. I must have played that song a hundred times. And I can remember all kinds of different places where I played it and how God helped me. It made me just think for you today that you would pause. When the podcast is over, if you can, is just pause and go, Lord, 
What are some of those songs, whether it's a worship song or a song from an artist or something, but that the Spirit would raise up and cause you to sing again or to hear it in your mind and be reminded that the Lord uses music because it gets into you. It touches your soul as a means, again, to love us, to encourage us, to bless us. We had such a fabulous night that night of remembering and then thinking about songs as we were driving home and even preparing this podcast, thinking about some of these tunes that, that got me through my dissertation and how many times we're exhorted in the Psalms to sing, to sing, to sing, to sing, to sing, that it helps reorient our focus to remind us, to touch us. And so we had, it was a three-hour concert. Stephen did it from 7.30 to 10.30 and it was amazing. But we were also deeply impacted by what God did in their lives as a family and now through their lives. And just a reminder that the Lord really does care about the fatherless, about the orphan, about the poor. And just a reminder that we would all pause and just say, Lord, in what way can I be a part of your sustaining the widow or the orphan? Because there really are kids out there who have never experienced the love of a mom or dad. They never have experienced being valued, having a name, identity, and a home. And so, Father, we just pray, would you help us? Just help us to be mindful, even if it's to pray. But if there's ways, Lord, that we can just be a part of you loving and expressing your love to these widows and orphans, show us what that might look like, Lord. We love you, we bless you, and thank you, thank you, thank you, just for you, God. You're the best. Amen. God bless you and have a great rest of the day.